church. I am Brian, the pastor of student ministries here. I'm also on the teaching team with Pastor David. If I have not had the privilege of meeting you yet, I would love for you to introduce yourself to me on the patio afterwards and get to know you and your family. So please take advantage of that. Um, I would love to get to know you. If I don't know your name, I want to know your name. So this morning, we're going to continue to unpack, unpack this concept of overflowing with generosity. Overflowing with generosity. Pastor David has given us a wonderful visual illustration of a luxurious champagne glass waterfall, the kind that you see in cruise ships. Um, and, and what's great about analogies is they break down so quickly, right? Because in this analogy, uh, generosity is alcohol. And we're the champagne glasses. But uh, Dave softened the analogy last week when he, when he talked about it being Martinelli's. That was good. Um, good save, Big Dave right? But I think you all get the point. We should, as a church, as individuals, overflow with generosity so much that the whole world would want to cruise with us, right? So much the whole world would want to cruise with us. I love cruises, but we're not going to talk about cruises anymore this morning, I promise, or champagne. We are going to look at the book of Acts, chapter 4, 32 through 510 this morning, and we're going to discover answers to questions like, what kind of giving does God bless if he doesn't bless all kinds of giving? And what do those blessings look like? What do they look like? And what prevents our generosity? And how does knowing God really well impact our giving? What does God exactly expect of us when we give? What does God expect of us when we are giving? And how do we know the answers to questions like this? The Bible and life experience is another way. We often learn things the hard way, don't we? The hard way is usually the way we learn as humans. In the first few years of marriage, my wife and I were very poor. We lived in a few uh, 600-foot granny flats over those first few years, a few different ones, while Melissa was finishing school. I would look at the bills each month and decide which ones I was actually going to pay. And it was usually the ones that had the highest penalties for late fees. Um, we were paying the minimums on our credit cards. We were paying my student loans back to Westmont College. There were quite a few overdraft charges in those days. I tried my best to prevent it, but I felt like a horrible provider. Then we did a Crown Financial small group. That's like a Dave Ramsey money management. And uh, what that did for me was make me feel like more of a loser. <laughs> to be honest, a worse provider. But for some reason, about a year later, we, we did another crown financial small group, probably because we were in such bad shape financially. And this time, the principles sunk in. And we started applying what we had learned and it was slow and steady plotting, but it was worth it. And long story short, we became tithers. We became tithers. We tithed the full 10%. We paid off our debt, and now to be corny, we're hashtag blessed. Very corny. But we are. We went from not being able to have children when we wanted to have children to having four beautiful children. We went from not being able to afford a home and having no money saved to, to afford a home it's a beautiful home that we live in now. And we're blessed beyond that. And we're so grateful to God. Do we have it all figured out? 
Nope. Not even close. But God showed me a truth that you will hopefully see in a moment when we read the first five verses this morning in Acts 4, 32 through 37. So if you have your Bibles, you have your phones, please turn to Acts 4, 32 through 37. In my life, God has worked powerfully, specifically on my heart's motivation. And in this story of the early church we're going to look at this morning, God acts undeniably in a shocking, powerful way. But before we get into the story of Ananias and Sapphira in chapter 5, we need to have the proper context that Luke, the author, provides at the end of chapter 4. So hopefully you're all there with me. Chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy, no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Basically, the church was operating beautifully out of pure motivation, pure motivations. The church was working. Verse 36 is our first biblical introduction to Barnabas. He's a beloved character in the Bible. Why? Because he's well known for his gift of encouragement. It was Luke's literary style to introduce a major Bible character as, as a relatively minor character initially. That was just what Luke would like to do. And as you guys know, Barnabas, Barnabas was a major player in the early church, a fellow minister with the Apostle Paul. Interesting note that many theologians believe that the name Barnabas is better translated son of exhortation. And that Barnabas was perhaps the son of a prophet or a pastor or a preacher. And that he was an effective preacher himself. If nothing else, we know that Barnabas lifted others up around him. We also see that he blessed the church, the family of God, with his voluntary financial gift. From all that we know about Barnabas, we can assess that his motivation for giving was correct. It was the kind of giving that was an overflow of the heart, an overflow of generosity. So in this passage, we're going to see that God's blessings overflow when our generosity overflows. God's blessings overflow when our generosity overflows. And I get that this point might seem like quite a big jump from Barnabas laying some money at the feet of the apostles. It says, we, we see that Barnabas sold a field he owned and he brought the money and he laid it at the feet of the apostles. But, but where do you see the blessing, pastor? Where's the blessing? Good question, hypothetical person in the audience this morning. I see God's blessing in verse 32, the unity of believers in heart and mind. Verse 33, and God's great power as the gospel was preached. Also in verse 33, God's grace powerfully working among them. And in verse 34, there was no needy among them. No one had an unmet need. I see God's blessing from overflowing giving. The church was blessed by overflowing and sharing their possessions with proper motivation. 
they voluntarily, voluntarily lent out and gave their material possessions for the good of all their Christian brothers and sisters, according to verse 32. And it's so important for us to distinguish this morning that this is not a communistic society we're talking about. They do not give all they possessed to a governing authority to be distributed equally among the people. That is not what is happening. They generously shared with right motivation out of their material possessions. This is not communism operating in the church. That's not what was happening. Often it is uh, assumed that that is the case. There are two forms of giving represented in this passage, consistent with uh, the sharing of possessions. Uh, There's consistent sharing of possessions, and then there's what Barnabas did. Barnabas went above and beyond. He went extra, overflowing. So we're going to look back at verses 34 through 36. It says, For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. You notice in verse 34 it says, From time to time. Or as we would say, occasionally or sporadically. Note that there was nothing obligatory or compulsory about this occasional giving. It was voluntary. It was not required of Barnabas. It was not expected. He gave of his own free will, his own volition. With what we could assume is right motivation. Because Barnabas was overflowing with generosity. Barnabas was overflowing with generosity. He laid it down at the feet of the apostles, trusting that they would use that money to help others, to to use that money the way God saw fit. And we see that God blessed his people here, just like he promised in Deuteronomy 15.4. But there will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. God will bless you. God blesses those overflowing with generosity. People who voluntarily give out of right motivation. There was no poor among them. There was no poor among them. Because God blessed them for giving out of the goodness of their hearts. And we know that that God was adding to the church daily. He was adding souls to the church every single day. So now that brings us up to the cusp of our primary Bible story this morning. And I warn you that this is a heavy story in chapter 5. It's very heavy. It's a tough pill to swallow for all of us. But we're going to come out for it better in the end, I promise. Um, I have four words for you actually right now, and you might have heard them last week, and that is we're we're going to have to push through. We're going to have to push through, but there is no popcorn at the end of this sermon. All right, so say it with me. Push through. No popcorn. All right, so if you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about. Shout out to Pastor Dave. Push through, no popcorn. All right, Acts 5, 1 through 10. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Uh, Hear that, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit 
and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it all belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What, you, what made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. This is a jaw-dropping story in the Bible. Like mouths should be wide open, and I should have to gently close your mouths right now. This is crazy. But listen, let me soften the blow at the onset. Ananias and Sapphira are in heaven. Ananias and Sapphira are in heaven. They were believers who made a horrible mistake, but they did not lose their salvation. Don't miss that these two believers are in heaven. And they're examples for us believers. And now from this harrowing story, the truth that we see that is evident might differ right now. What I see upon further inspection of this is that greedy lies prevent generosity. Greedy lies prevent generosity. Now the truth that you might have initially seen is you lie, you die. You lie, you die. Real simple, Brian. It's right there, and that's what I saw when I first read it. You lie, you die. Great. I'm looking forward to preaching that one. Right? No. It is that greedy lies prevent generosity. That's, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow either way, but especially the you lie, you die part. But many of us have lied in our lives, correct? Anyone here ever lied before? Right? If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. Okay? So many of us have lied. All of us actually have lied. And uh, we're still here. Many of us have lied to God. And we're still standing upright. We did not drop dead just yet. Ananias and Sapphira are examples for the church to witness the awesome power of God and the just response for lying to God. Why did Ananias and Sapphira lie to God? Probably greed. Probably greed. I think we can assume they kept some of the money back because of greed. But perhaps they were holding money back to start a family business that they could give to their children. Perhaps they were holding money back to put it away in their 401k for a rainy day. Maybe they were holding some of the money back for a different cause. They wanted to give to a different cause. Or perhaps they wanted a couple new horses. Maybe Ananias could, could have really been into horsepower. <laughs> Maybe. When I read this story, I see simply that Ananias and Sapphira had improper motivation 
And that led to some greedy lies that they told themselves. And the question that I pose to you this morning, what is your motivation in giving? What is your motivation in giving? Let's look back at verse 2. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. He kept back part of the money for himself. He kept it back. And what I hear when I read that, I envision Golem saying, my precious, my precious. That's what I hear. But it's easy to vilify Ananias as a greedy Golem. But I'm going to ask you another reflective question. What is your precious? What is your precious? What material possession of yours is untouchable? Chances are there's something. Have you ever held something back from God? I know I have. My compassion knows limits, and I'm not proud of that fact. And I'm going to be super real with you right now. You guys ever hear of World Vision or Compassion International? Where you sponsor a child in a third world country that doesn't have enough food, doesn't have education? Back when I was 21, I sponsored a boy through World Vision for a few months. For a few months. You know, theoretically, you're supposed to help these kids until they're teenagers. And I helped this little boy for a few months. And that's the end of that story. I felt like a failure. But when I was about 30, I sponsored another boy through Compassion International. And I made it one year. Just one year. It felt even worse when I stopped sponsoring that boy. Talk about regrets. Those are a couple of my biggest regrets in life that I stopped giving that I justified it, that I chose my money, my comfort over compassion more times than I care to admit. But Brian, at least you gave something, right? Something's better than nothing, right? I told myself these greedy lies and it prevented my overflowing generosity. Sure, it was generous, but it wasn't overflowing generosity. If Ananias is golem, then so am I. If Ananias is Golem, me too. So how did Peter respond to the deceit of Ananias? In verse 3, Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit? No punches held back here. How did you, Ananias, how did you, Brian, let Satan fill your heart up so much that you lied to God? That's what we call a rhetorical question. And I'm sure Ananias was coming up with his defense. But then verse 5 goes, Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. The defense rests. The defense rests. Too soon? He, he died. He was coming up with his defense. He didn't catch that. That wasn't a good joke. All right. Too soon, apparently. I know this whole greedy lies thing, prevent generosity, is a little difficult. That uh, it's easier to see the point, you lie, you die. And that you might actually only remember that point. Because it's just so easy. You lie, you die. 
But listen to this. God hates lying. And he loves generosity. Know this about God. When you come to church on Sunday morning, you come to learn something about God. Sometimes, usually, something you already know. But God hates lying. And he loves generosity.